This episode of Blue Grip Podcast is brought to you by Police One Academy, Alexa Pole Solution. episode of part one of agent under fire ladies tells me uh he has my child he gives us an address in el paso that same night we suit up hit it and discover 18 kids and then uh started the process and before you know it my family and i moved from el paso texas to mexico city wow i'm a big writer of list and i had this long list of things to do and around noon one of my uh, co-workers tells me, hey, heads up, they're going to send you to Monterey. I say, check it out. And I look up, and the second SUV has a long gun. So you can see it sticking from the middle of the seat. And it's occupied by several occupants. And I'm like, just let them go. They're going like 90 plus. I told Jaime to keep it between 70, 72 miles an hour. And I said, just let them go. Who knows who the hell that is, right? And they're flying. But before you knew it, we come up on them. They had slowed down to about 20, 25 miles an hour, blocking the two lanes. So we're on the far right lane and we come up on them and they immediately they start trying to force us to pull over. And I tell Jaime, no, 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 don't go, 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 go. And he tries to evade them and they reposition themselves. And the second time the the SUV next to him, they lower the windows and pull out AK 47s. And these guys are yelling at the top of lungs to pull over, pull over, stop, stop, pull over. And I tell Jaime, no. And they're literally almost crashing this window to, uh, you know, mirror to mirror. And then the front vehicle is slamming on the brakes. So they're doing a rolling roadblock on us, which we would train to do at the academy. And they eventually do a force off to the right shoulder, and we come to a complete stop. And about eight of them come out and do a semicircle in front of us, uh, of the Suburban, with long guns. And they're all shouting and screaming. And, you know, we immediately put our hands up. Uh, one of them, the, the main guy of that, what they call a staka or a, their cell, right, is uh, has a handgun. He comes over to Jaime's door and opens the door. I literally swung it open, and he could tell that he was even surprised because they kind of yanked on it thinking it wasn't going to open, and it, and it swung open, and Jaime grabbed the industrial handle and slams it right back shut. Damn. And when I, what I saw from my passenger seat is the guy just standing with a handgun like this. It swung up, and then swung right back down and shut down, and then we started hitting those lock buttons. Well, during we those buttons, then the the window buttons and the lock buttons are next to each other. My window lowered about two inches without us knowing. And this whole time, we have our hands up. I'm I'm yelling at the guys. We're Americans. You're confusing us. Whoever you think we are, you're we're not who you think we are. Uh, we're U.S. diplomats. We're from the U.S. embassy. This is a diplomatic vehicle. Look at the plates. Let me identify myself with my black passport. My passport was in my backpack with the guns had caught been caught underneath the seats when we lowered both seats. Um, And so I never had access to my weapons. Um, And so gladly, because if I would have shown a weapon, I wouldn't be here for sure to to tell you to thought people that you, you showed I never showed anything. I wanted to show my passport. That's what I wanted to show them and identify myself. So Um, when you're telling them all this in Spanish, it's all in Spanish. (laughs) 
is it registering with them or do they just not care who you are? Then it's not registering. It did register because they later on, they testified about it, but they have evil in their eyes. I'd never seen a, a, a focus of evil. Uh, they wanted us dead and it, it took a while because um, the the guy by the door, when we weren't complying, and now they're yanking at the doors and they're locked, and he sets off a few rounds boom, 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 by the front tire area by Hyman's side. And I even told Hyman, "Did he fucking shoot at the?" You know, it it it, it took a second to me to realize that shots were fired. Oh, this shit! This shit's real. Shit's real. He, he shot. Yeah. And and he says, yeah, he shot. And I said, oh shit. Um. And I mean, he never said he never he never said a word to them. I was just yelling and screaming over and over. We're Americans. We're Americans. Uh, U.S. diplomats, U.S. embassy employees. Blah 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 blah. Over and over. Get out. Open the door. With you know, f in this. Get the fuck out. Open the door. Open the door. Get out. Get out. Get out. And so I mean, no, don't get out. Don't get out. Don't get out. Uh, let me, and then he came to the front because he realized I was the one communicating. So he came around the suburban to the front. And during that time, two of the shooters came to my window. And before you knew it, boom, they put a AK-47 to that gap and a handgun. And, oh, shit. And I just backed up kind of to the post. Now, remember, there's, the whole back is full of boxes. So we couldn't jump to the back. And I immediately posted myself like this and raised the window and it raised it and caught the barrels of both guns. And I see them wiggling, uh, especially the guy with the AK is wiggling it, and the guy with the handgun is wiggling it because it's caught in between the, the window. And these are very thick armored windows. Right. And so they're wiggling it. And without notice, they open fire into the cabin. And so I'm like this. And the first thing to go is my hearing. And I have hearing loss in my left ear because of it, because they're literally shooting it right here. And I see Agent Zapata get struck multiple times on his side with the handgun. And then he gets shot with the AK in his leg. Um, I get shot once in the chest and twice, one in my upper leg and one in my lower leg. I didn't know. I had no idea that I'd been shot. Uh, he yells out, I'm hit, I'm hit, I'm shot. And I said, go, 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 go. They pull out the barrels. I raise the window, just the last little gap. And they were just spraying it, just shooting the whole right side. And I actually put the the suburban back gear, the gear, just slam it down. I push Jaime's knee into the gas pedal to crash that vehicle to get out of the X. But Jaime becomes uh, unresponsive and the suburban rolls into the median. So from the far right shoulder, crosses the highway. And then I try to get it back on to Highway 57. But, it, you know, the, the tires are flat. They're shooting this whole time at it. And, um, uh, you know, we kind of stopped there, and I'm attending to Jaime. One SUV, I see it take off. Now, I have very limited vision now because of the, the armored glass. It's very hard to see from the inside. Outside, you see, like, these white snow globes, and the inside, it just shatters, and it's you can't see. Um, but I one, on the front windshield, I see one taking off, and then I see the second one take off, and it does a U-turn, comes right back parks right in front of the suburban two of the shooters come out and they look at me and I look at them and there's like a pause and they just go, they just open up on the, and you'll see the pictures of the, of the two uh, shots where they're trying to penetrate the glass. And I just sat there and I'm thinking, okay, this is it. I'm done. Please work glass. Please yeah. Work yeah. Glass. yeah. And uh, 
I see them jump in the SUV and they leave. And uh, I make the, the first phone call. Well, I try to get my next call radio. It doesn't work. I pick up my BlackBerry. I call the embassy, and people could hear the call online. And I shot on the highway uh please contact my supervisor um blue 52 stupid ass yeah <laughs> didn't get me there <laughs> and and um and uh, and then after that i i called the only person i trusted in mexico at that point was the head of our vetted unit in mexico that we had the, from the federal police he's a guy that i was would kid around he would always tell me hey if you ever get in a pickle anywhere in the city or something you call me right uh well, i called him and uh i called his office number that i would never call that that landline, which is a recorded call, I've never been able to get that recorded call, but it's there, someone has it because uh, he has a little red light on it, like the movies. And he says that it kept on because I obviously talked to him afterwards and he says it kept on ringing and ringing. And I said, well, who calls that number? So he, he answered. It was me. And he didn't recognize my voice because I was just going off in Spanish. And I said to, to, to send help. And he's the one that actually deployed a helicopter for Mexico City a federal police helicopter with trusted personnel that we can, um, you know, be able to allow them to come in because during that whole time we were on that road for 40 minutes before anyone responded. And during those 40 minutes, I was on the phone with a lot of people, the regional security office from the, the diplomatic special agents, diplomatic security special agents from the embassy, ICE agents, my, my buddy who said the first one told me, check your, you got to check yourself. And I had a lot of blood and a lot of shrapnel and, and my face was cut with glass. And I had a lot, I had those little scars in my eyes uh, where, um, yeah, I had a lot of blood on me. A lot of it was high, man. And then that's when I saw the wound here in my chest and I said, oh, shit, I am hit. And I put pressure and he's the one to take off your belt. He's the one to take off your belt and put it around because I saw the, the hit on my leg. And I did that. Uh, I was trying to keep high, man, awake at, at one point. They could hear me screaming at him and shaking him to keep him awake because um, he was losing a lot of blood. Uh, and then uh, and then they even dispatched me and put me in contact with the helicopter the pilot. Uh, I at one point gave him the Garmin GPS coordinates. They didn't know where I was at. We were in the middle of this highway in between towns, and they were able to find. I gave him the coordinates, and then they said, we're on our way. But during that time, there was an ambulance that showed up on the side it looked like an ambulance. You would recognize an ambulance. And I didn't know if it was for us, but it was by itself. One guy gets off and comes over by that. By that point, I had already pulled my guns out and um, he comes to the window and he's trying to open the door. I'm here to help you. I said, yeah, help me open the door, help me open the door. And like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to help him because the door was jammed with the crash. And uh, he kind of was trying to peek in and he didn't do anything. And he left. Well, in 2017, during the trial, I find out they testify he was a Zeta cartel member. He's the one that goes and makes sure that there's no one alive. Or if it's any Zetas involved that get shot, he goes and rescues them to give them first God, aid. Dang. That's how sophisticated these guys so are. So he was coming there to finish you? I think so. And, um, and then, so he left, and then the state police officer, 
the local state there shows up and the, and you could tell the state police are a little poor they don't have a full matching uniform and he comes around he i have a clear vision of him coming around the suburban and i have him like this with my gun flanking him and i said i didn't trust anybody man anyone at that point i said open the door so i could shoot you in the face open the door and he wouldn't open the door so i'm here to help you yeah right you know um eventually the the helicopter lands right there on highway 57 the the person that 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 my friend sent over i asked him for his creds because I, I, I didn't trust anybody. And he says, no, it's me. I'm hearing direct orders from that. I made him take out his wallet. And he put it through in between the window, the crack. And he shows me the badge. And I said, about the badge? I want, <laughs> I want to see your creds. Yeah, yeah. And he pulls out his creds in his crunched up wallet. He's like, oh, yeah. They look at his name. I said, that's the guy. Because I thought, they're going to send me with somebody else and torture me somewhere else, you know, and finish me. Because that's the corruption in Mexico. Lugs me up on a cartel helicopter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, but that's when the fear set in for me to go to the hospital. Yeah. The fear to go to the hospital because of that. I knew these guys knew that I was alive and they were going to finish me. And there was no security at the hospital. There was only the ones that were with us that dispatched, plus the local ones there, which did not trust anybody. And it was a god-awful feeling of 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 knowing that you're going to die and going, you feel like a foreigner. I tell people this story all the time. I felt so lonely there being, uh, talking about being a foreigner in a country of my heritage. Um, I, for all intents and purposes, I could have been in China. That's how I felt. Um, and when we get to the hospital, they took Jaime into one trauma room, took me to another. And uh, I didn't give him my name. I didn't tell him who we were. I refused IV. I refused medication. They were doing all these uh, studies on me. Uh, uh, they did a lot of sonograms and had a shrapnel. Um, and they, were, they did good care, good trauma care. But um, they assumed that we were Mexican federal police officers. And I was okay with it uh, until they saw the response of the Mexican federal police and then the response of the, the ones that they sent from Mexico City, um, the trusted ones. And they came in all fully suited up. And they said, uh, Victor Avila, you're here. We're secure. The building's secure. And no one's going to come in and you're going to be okay. And that's the first time I breathed a little sigh of relief. And the Americans didn't show up till the shooting happened at 2.15 p.m. And the first Americans showed up about 7.30 p.m. They uh, drove, like I said, drove. They had a drive. Pardon? They drove. All the yeah, oh, it, was, it was a mess. <laughs> they couldn't get a helicopter out of Mexico City. And uh, it was a mess. And so some of them drove. Some eventually got flown in by a DEA plane. Um, to and eventually everybody showed up. DEA, FBI, Secret Service, Marshals, everybody showed up. Um, believe me, it was great to see them, see them, and um, then uh, uh, then it was a matter of getting me out because and getting Jaime and us out because now we're under the rules of the Mexican government and now we're technically under arrest. And because I have diplomatic some a level of diplomatic immunity, not like an ambassador. But I do have some protections. Jaime doesn't because he was there on the on a regular uh, um, red passport or just official passport. He's not a, a black passport holder. Um, they're holding us. Like you need to answer questions. You know, Mexico is very different. You're not the victim now. You're right. like, uh, like a car accident. A car accident in Mexico is a criminal offense. It's not a civil offense like it is in the U.S. And so all of a sudden, uh, the ambassador gets involved and says, "You got to get him out." So they get me out with a DEA plane, like at three in the morning to Houston. They tried to get Jaime out before they did the autopsy, but we lost that battle. And Mexico did their own autopsy on uh, Agent Zapata. We had a, 
a U.S. agent in there that they didn't know that he was in there to observe the the uh, the autopsy. I uh, I told the doctor when he told me, um, you know, your your partner passed away. I said, just please treat him treat him with dignity and respect. Um, and Did you know at the scene that he was pretty bad and yeah. and may not make it or yeah. Do- yeah, he was uh, he was pretty pretty unresponsive, and uh, at that time, I remember when we got into the to the helicopter, one of the police officers said, um, you "One and, of the Mexican you and fil- Jaime both got put in the helicopter." Yeah, well, first me, and then they're bringing Jaime, and they're like, uh, is, "They literally said, is your partner dead?'" And I I just yelled at it when I, I said, "You get him in here." Spanish. Said, Whether he's alive him. or dead, I don't care. You you bring. I'm not leaving him. I'm not leaving in this helicopter without him. They kind of all right. So they went and brought him. They thought they still had a pulse at that time. They didn't wasn't sure. They were trying to you know trying to do a little CPR and stuff on him while we put him on the on the helicopter. It was only like an eight minute flight. It was pretty quick to the to the heliport there at the helicopter. But it was a it was a nightmare, man. Oh. When did your family learn? Or how did they learn that you had been involved in this crazy horrific? So my wife was. Um, my wife was working at the regional security office doing these background investigations. When the call, when I placed the call to the embassy, the embassy routed the call to the regional security office to the uh, receptionist. The receptionist was new or was a floater. She was a temporary assignment and she was taken aback. She didn't know what to do. She dropped the phone and ran down the hallway and said, there's an agent Avila has been shot. And my wife came out of the, I mean, it's this very small office. She comes oh, out of, what'd you just say? that an agent Avila is on the phone that he's been shot. And she's like, that's my husband. And then Victor Avila. And so she goes, she faints and they get my wife and she starts throwing up. And it's a hell of a notification. I mean, there was no buffer for her. Um, And so we try to do that buffer with our kids. And they told them there was a gas leak at our our apartment to get our kids out. We didn't want to alert them. They got, got them from school. And then we started hearing a lot of chatter that they knew where we lived in Mexico city because uh, and the, we had it, and the GPS Garmin had my home address on there, um, so they said get the family out. So they got my family out into a hotel in Mexico City, surrounded by Mexican and U.S. personnel, protected. They were there for about a day, a day and a half, overnight. Uh, while I was taken to Houston, we eventually uh, reunited in El Paso. What was your recovery like? Shot three times. It was uh, it was all done in in Washington. They didn't want me nowhere near the uh, Mex- U.S. Mexico border for officer safety reasons, and and then that's where the the second nightmare begins, and that's the nightmare that lasted years. Um, I call it the aftermath, and it's it's worse than the shooting because um, they said you want to go to D.C. I said, yeah, let's get the hell out of here. I didn't want to be on the border. And so this is February. I was very concerned. My wife and I were very concerned for our kids. It's not their fault. And I didn't want them to lose the school year. So I wanted them in school. So we get to Virginia, Northern Virginia, right outside of the Beltway there in Falls Church. And we can't register our kids in school. You talk about semantics and logistics because you need an address. Yeah. And they, they put me at a residence inn for two weeks and they gave me a phone. and said, hey, yo, Victor, whatever you need, man. Okay. Uh, I need a toothbrush. I need clothes. Everything is in my apartment. I never went back. So think about where you are today and you're never going to go back to that house. What do you need right now tonight? Well, my kids needed clothing and jackets and it was snowing 
in super cold. It was 72 degrees in Mexico, but it was snowing in D.C. And so they needed school supplies. We needed a pantry. Uh, we needed a place to live. And I'm, I was in a wheelchair and, and crutches looking for a place to live because my agency did not facilitate that. We had to find it on our own. Uh, we finally found it just in time, got our kids registered into school. Guess what? They wouldn't accept them because uh, even though they're U.S. citizens, they needed additional vaccinations because they were coming from another country. Okay, so they did the, the required vaccinations, and then um, they get put into school. And it, it was horrible, horrible uh, for my kids. I Actually, the, the physical rehab, and that, that wasn't bad. That was really good care. I had really good care, really good doctors. That, that, that came good. That was a natural thing. Um, the counseling, the PTSD and all that was good. All that was, was very good treatment. And I just wanted to get back to work. I, I, you get into this mentality and I knew that agents want to go back. I knew that it was weird. I wanted that. I wasn't ready to do that, but I forced them to do that. I wanted to do that. Do you think their failure to attend and think through your care by the agency was due to y'all didn't have this? happened very often or they didn't want to acknowledge that there was a pretty epic screw up and they just wanted to kind of tuck you away and get you to be quiet. All the above. I think um, the main thing is fast and furious Two of the weapons recovered used against us were attached to operation fast and furious. Catastrophic failed. Yeah. Just two months before agent Brian Terry brought border patrol agent Brian Terry. Expand on the fast and furious for people who don't know what that is. Fast and furious was probably the biggest botched operation in federal government history, the ATF led by ATF, but FBI, DA, even ICE was involved in these task forces where um, overseen by the federal government, weapons were allowed to be purchased in the U.S. It started in Phoenix area. Phoenix, Arizona were purchased by straw purchasers under the watch of the federal government. And these weapons. Eric Holder, I think, was. Pardon? I think Eric Holder was attorney Eric Holder, general. Attorney general, which he knew they were allowed to walk. In other words, allowed to go into Mexico without any furtherance of any investigation. That's it. They armed the cartels. They armed the Zetas. They armed the guys that shot us. Uh, they killed Agent Brian Terry two months before, which blew up Operation Fast and Furious. They wanted this to be a model across the nation because we knew how Obama and Holder are non-Second Amendment defenders and I think they wanted to put the U.S. in a bad light uh, when it came to uh, weapons. And so that was a largely part of it. Also, the screw up of being on this highway and this assignment the way it was. They knew that they had done wrong. They never should have put us on that highway. And we tried to sue the government and get some answers. But uh, Obama exerted executive privilege on all the documents. And so we've never been able to get any documents because they're protected now. And they've been protected. And so when Trump wow. became president, with no thought, recourse to get that. We thought, well, Trump's going to get him. No. Once that president, and you probably heard about this in the news a few years ago when there was an issue with it with Trump and another case. But when a president exerts executive, executive privilege on these documents, they're basically sealed for and no one could ever get access to them. So all the FOIA requests, all the, all the information that we want, the emails, I've gotten a lot of redacted sheets of paper and, uh, uh, cutouts from the internet and printouts from uh, printouts of news articles, but that's not what we want. We want the internal docs. So the epic failures and errors are locked away forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so far 12 years into it, um, 
it, it's still there. And by the way, I'll share with you the latest. Um, the by the way, we we caught these guys, right? So the U.S. government and ICE and uh, and the Mexican federal police do a great job of going after the Zeta, the shooters. One was presumed dead. They arrest seven of them. Um, they do it old school and they pick these guys up. They extradite them quickly to the U S and five of them plead guilty to murder, attempted murder, attempted murder of an internationally protected person and weapons charges. Two of them don't say a word. The two that came up in front of the suburban, those guys go to trial and they challenge it. So in 2017, I go to testify at the trial in D.C., and I, that's the first time I actually get to tell the story officially under oath um, and also hear everything that they're saying, that, in fact, they did hear me. In fact, they did know that we were Americans, and they heard me perfectly clear that we were Americans. As a matter of fact, they thought at one point that I was the ambassador. When that's they, what they said. When they interdicted y'all, they knew that early on when they interdicted that vehicle? They said that they were looking for um, uh, carjacking, uh, looking to, to carjack the vehicle, and that's a crock of shit. They never would have. They destroyed that car. Well, if the vehicles are a dime a dozen, those types of vehicles are a right. dime a but dozen. But they, they recognized this vehicle was different. They knew it was, a, I mean, the, I think the value of the car was $180,000, the oh, Suburban. Wow. Um, they recognized it, and if they wanted it, um, they destroyed it, and they they knew. They, they actually, I never had a scumbag corroborate my testimony to say in fact yes we did hear him and yes he is telling the truth that that's the first time years after the shooting that i somebody finally said because i i would say man i yelled it over and over and they said oh no we heard him well and you said they just had the gone thousand yard stare yep look of evil they didn't give a damn you were an american diplomat clearly didn't care they definitely had the ability to Stand down because other U.S. agents in Mexico have been held at gunpoint many times. DEA, FBI agents, and the cartels find out that they're U.S. federal agents, and they're like, "Oh shit, okay," and they they let them go. Well, these guys, this is this is the shift that's happened in Mexico. They're, the rules no longer exist. Yeah, this uh, this whole thing that the the cartel doesn't want the U.S. government, and we're not gonna you know mess with the federal police uh, or U.S. personnel. That all went out the window. Dude, is that this work for a specific cartel, or are they kind of just contract with different cartels, or they're not really? At that point, they were they were probably the strongest at that point. They were their own. They had faction off from, they were the security for the Gulf cartel. Okay. And that's how they started. And so, then they so, formed their own cartel. But the reason they made their name is because of the level of violence. Yeah. These guys are the ones that started chopping off heads. Yeah. And torturing bodies and on video. And started passing that propaganda around, and they set the pace for the other cartels, and then other cartels started doing the same thing, um, the hanging of the bodies and all that. This, this, that's the Zetas. Um, and you think, well, these guys must be on PCP. They must be on these drugs. They're not. They're not. They, they cut off a head of a person that's alive like if nothing. Just uh, pure so, evil. Like, terrorists. Terrorists. That's what they are. And so we're at a point where they should be designated as such. Because uh, that's the level that they function at a wow. terrorist at a terrorist level. That's crazy. So they were arrested, um, prosecuted. How's the Avila family today? Um, we're doing good. We um, you talk about resiliency. I use that word a lot. We were able to, um, with the help of God and and a lot of other things, that we had a lot of dark days. A lot of dark days after. After the shooting, I give a lot of credit to my wife, Claudia, and my kids 
for putting up with me. I wasn't a good person to be around with. Uh, and I, I consciously did not want to be this angry, bitter man. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy. Uh, it's easy to be. After it's easy. Like it's that. easy. I, I, you know, I didn't want to pick up a, I don't want to be an alcoholic or a drug. I, I'm very fortunate that that I ate a lot. I gained a lot of weight. That was my vice. Believe it or not, food was one of the things that I struggled with because, um, that I didn't know how to cope. And uh, a lot of counseling and, and all that. And I had really, really hard, hard time a couple of few years afterwards. Uh, I still do counseling, by the way. I still do. I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. I still Nothing see my counselor, uh, talk about it and, 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 and get through that. But uh, we will be going back to court in May. Two of the shooters, the guys that went to trial, they appealed their sentence to about two and a half years ago saying that through their attorney that the murder conviction, the murder statute used to convict them of murder of Agent Zapata was invalid because a murder happened in Mexico. What was their sentence? Life. Both got life. Both got, both, those, those federal two got life. life. Yeah, federal life. The other five that pled guilty got 35 down to 12 years, which is a, a plea deal that wow. I have never seen in my life for murdering a U.S. agent. And uh, the only person that could answer to that is a U.S. attorney as to why they recommended that. But they did. And I, I had a hard time. This about the family and I had a hard time with those sentences. But the guys that got life, then they appeal this. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeal agrees with them and dismisses the murder charge. They dismissed the murder charge. So there's no one in prison for the murder of Agent Zapata. And about two years ago, I we get the news and I'm like, I got to do something. So I call the senators, I call the congressmen, I call everybody that I know, and the Federal Law Enforcement Officer Association, who has a good presence on the uh, on the Hill yep. in D.C. And I said, we got to do something about it. And we picked up the law and we changed it. We changed the law. We said, we this cannot happen. We got to change this law and this loophole that it doesn't matter where the murder happens. So we did, and they renamed the the law the Jaime Zapata and Victor Avila Federal Officer and Employee Protection Act. That's awesome. awesome. And we passed that. And, uh, yes. and, and what's, what's so funny is that Joe Biden signed it. <laughs> you can't make this up, folks. <laughs> well, he may not have. Somebody helped Yeah, somebody, yeah. somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but what the sad part about it is they had this big ceremony last year on the signing ceremony, but didn't invite me. They didn't invite the Zapata the family. The bill in your name. bill in my Zapata name. Our family. name is on it. And the Zapata family was not. You know, they sh- you know how they stand behind the president yeah. the desk? Well, I'm not shocked that that didn't happen. Well, they were never going to invite me. No. And, but, you know, at least the Zapata family, it's their son. That exactly. gave his life. Yeah. But they signed it. It's a law. And so it's not retroactive to our case. But so that's why they have to bring these two guys and resentence them. And because of COVID and all these years have passed by, they finally got the date. It's going to be May 23rd of this year, 22nd and 23rd. I'll be in D.C., addressing the court as a victim of the crime. I always have a hard time remembering that I am a victim of this crime yeah, yeah. and addressing the judge and saying, basically begging the judge to resentence them to life because the big difference now is that it's not a mandatory life sentence. It's up to life. So the they vacated charges. the sentence, but didn't yep. dismiss the charge. Is that right? They vacated the right, just the charge, just that one charge. Sentence. So they're still in there for my attempted murder and the other weapons charges, but those are not don't carry a mandatory life. They carry a of up to life. But you know what that means? It could be fifteen years, twenty yeah. years. Yeah. So we're gonna go in there and ask them and plead with them to resentence them to life. So I'll keep you guys posted. On yeah, that. keep us posted, please. Well, and you. You reached out to your senators and to your congressmen and congresswomen to effect change. 
kind of tells us where yeah. Victor Avila is yeah. today. Tell tell our tell our listeners. Well, I uh, I go around the country speaking about the the horrors that's happening at our border under this administration, and I'm a big advocate of of uh, doing something, whether at the local level, big 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 uh, on local politics. But I said I gotta I gotta do something, so I I threw in my hat and I just announced for uh, my run for U.S. Congress for Congressional District 23, which is the border from San Antonio to El Paso. This is my backyard. This is the the area where I think it's ground zero for not just Texas, but the rest of the country. Uh, Victor Avila for Congress dot com is the uh, is a website for support. I need the financial support to get me there. Um, we're trying to primary the incumbent. The incumbent there has betrayed the people of CD twenty three Texans that voted him in, and he has voted against the what he said he was going to do. He, his own word. He's violated his own word. He's violated his own oath uh, when it comes to not just border security bills, but other conservative um, uh, uh, bills that he's voted against or for that the people did not. That's not what they requested and that's not what they voted for. And so because of that, 17 counties got together the Republican Party of Texas and censured him. They censured a U.S. congressman, which is very serious. That means that, yeah. that they're not going to fund you. They don't want to work with you. Um, he dismissed it, and um, but um, I, I want to bring integrity back to this system. I want to bring. I was in D.C. I was telling you guys earlier. I was in D.C. and you feel the swamp when you when you get in there. But we need people to fight this. We need people to fight the establishment to 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 go back to where you are, the extension of the community, and you are the voice of the community. And it sounds fundamental and it sounds basics, but I want to take things back to basic where well, you represent the people. In you do represent the people. And what's crazy is people lose sight of that so easily is yeah. that you represent the people of your district and people quickly lose sight of the fact that they're the ones that voted you to represent that. And I don't, it, it, it's fascinating to me that people just, they forget that so quickly because they, they start voting on party. Yeah, they start voting for special interest. They start voting for everything else other than the reason you're there is because the people. And and I wish citizens, our listeners, would quit thinking of border security as politics. Border security is national security. It is vital to our national security. I bet Ukraine wish they had some border security right now. Boy, There's yeah. a lot of countries that probably wish they had border security. It's not politics. Yeah. It and, is and, and, taking care of our country and our future and our kids' future. I'm scared for my kids because we don't want to fix a problem that everybody acknowledges is a problem, but they want to say it's just politics. We don't need to fix it. And 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 it's not a left or right issue. You, it really shouldn't be. Uh, it's a bipartisan issue. It's about safety. It's about public safety. I think we all agree that we don't want anyone to come into this country and cause our, our country harm. You know, we're, we are... If you look at the statistics by numbers alone, we're experiencing three nine elevens a month in this country with fentanyl deaths, but nobody blinks an eye. So, uh, so, so nobody took down buildings, but they're taking us down with pills. Well, and everybody's outraged that the balloon flew over our country and gathered right. intel, which is a problem. I'm pissed right. about it. But humans are coming in with evil in their heart to destroy our country. It's as bad as a damn balloon flying over our country gathering intelligence. They're they need us. to become as outraged about that as well. So uh, the cartels, the Mexico, all that, I, I'm, that, I bring that experience. I, I know how to deal with them. I want to be able to deal with them. I want to deal with them at a different level. 
to where you put America and the United States first. And we, it's, it's, it's time that we look out for our citizens. They have been neglected, I think, especially the last two years. But for some reason, the violent criminal, the illegal person that is not here uh, uh, rightly so is put first mm -hmm. and given the rights first for some reason. I'm all for legalities. I want people to come here, like I said, legally and all that. But I'm a law and order guy. I want the law and our constitution to be respected. And yep. it's been disrespected by so many countries, 150 or so. Um, and I, you can, let me tell you, I, I've been at the border and people from weird countries that I had never known about in Africa uh, and Europe and these small countries like, where are you from? Yeah, they're coming in. And there's a lot of barriers, a lot of challenges in the healthcare system, in the school system, the criminal justice system. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate everybody for the support on that. Well, and I know we have some combat veterans in the House and the Senate that um, have served their country. I would guess there's maybe a handful of law enforcement. Not many. If you think uh, about it. a lot of veterans, but not a lot of law enforcement. Um, and probably not many that have been shot trying to protect right, their country. Right. Yeah. Tell us about this. Agent under fire, uh, a murder and a manifesto. I go into detail. Um, I'll give you a little bit of stories of, of who I am. I tell you who I am. I give a good story of, you know, drug bust, you know, because they're fun and they're is, is what I worked on the border. And, and I put a human trafficking case, one of the most horrific ones I worked on there on purpose because I still get people telling me, what, uh, human trafficking and child trafficking? You're nuts. That doesn't that doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> people don't want it to exist. Right. Yep. And I understand that, but it, I put it in there because I've worked these cases and you need to know that there are human beings in this world that are capable of doing horrific things to other human beings, especially children. Yeah. So I talk about that. And, and of course I go into detail, much more detail that I shared with today uh, about the shooting. And then the last part, which I refer to as a manifesto is I went through a, a bit of an identity crisis and I said, no, wait a minute. I was a pretty good agent. I know border security. I'm going to talk about that. So I'm going to talk about, I talk about the wall asylum, um, uh, all these issues uh, on border security uh, human trafficking, human smuggling, the cartels. From being a man on the ground. Designating them as FTOs. I talk about that. So you'll get a good understanding. And if you read it today, you think I wrote it today. That's how relevant it is. Unfortunately, it's still much needed. And plus, I put solutions in there, uh, real solutions of what I would do if I was in charge. And, and they're very practical, very doable solutions that um, can be done. It's just that we haven't had the will on either party to do it. Where can listeners find this? agentunderfirebook.com and you could order it right there uh, or you just go directly to amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. Me and Clint are willing to do an audible uh, version of that one day whenever we're ready. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be him or? <laughs> no, I'll no, no. Yeah, you can I be Victor. You were ask him if he had one with just pictures no. on because you don't read maybe, crayons. No. Maybe, maybe we'll get into a uh, Netflix special one day. Yeah, or a, or a, or, a, or a movie. I would love to it to be. That right, honestly, to, I, I think it merits the all bullshit. The like it, it's a it's a serious like, like I told you on the phone. It could be a narcos version. Yeah, I've already got it in mind. What Netflix? We get a Netflix special going. It could be tacos. We get uh, Peyton Manning to come on and play your supervisor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you started out as an explorer, and we had an explorer reach out to us. Oh, yeah, on our Blue Grit podcast. We did. This week saying he's watching the show. He's 15. Shout out, Nathan. Awesome. Nathan, about to be 16. 
Shout out to, to Nathan. And uh, he's a police explorer locally and said awesome. he is chomping at the bit to serve his country and his community. So he can play you as the explorer. As the young, as explorer. Yeah. We've got this set. We got a set. We can call it Tarcos for the Texas Narcos. There you go. We got oh, it. I like that. All right, like Netflix. It. We just need to. I mean, it's all done pretty much. We just need we to get. It. Let us know Netflix and we're going to get this thing rolled out. <laughs> we can solve the world's problems. Yeah, I like it. And we'll just keep the title as the movie Agent Under Fire. I like the title. Um, uh, you know, I, when I did the, the the cover of the book, I really wanted the flag. And then um, you see the three bullet holes, obviously the three times that I got shot. But then I had a question is that can I put the bullet holes in the flag? You know, I didn't want to disrespect the flag. Uh, and uh, I called. I have really good friends, veterans, uh, military veterans. And they're like, they all said, uh-uh, Absolutely. As a matter of fact, and they, they taught me something, most flags that uh, are battle. battle are destroyed yep. and torn and shot up, and they still fly yep. with honor. And absolutely, that's that's and so it made me feel good that uh, that that I was able to do that. Well, and I think it's a great visual. It's a great visual of you identifying yourself as an American diplomat, and they knew you were an American. Mm-hmm. With that flag, and they shot you anyway. As a big screw you to America, they don't care. And I, I think that's a great visual depiction. I'm glad you brought that up because of, Mexico, of what went on. Mexico and the cartels are not our friend. <clears throat> They're not our friend, and and people should recognize that. They're our neighbor. Very different. Yeah. It's okay, but just like a lot of people out there, you don't get along with your neighbor. It doesn't mean that uh, you move. You just live. You learn to live right yeah. with them. Well, we have to learn to live, but sometimes you have to hold your neighbor accountable. You got to make them cut down them. We share, we share a lot of common ground, a lot of cultural. Yes. Uh, same, you know, Trait, same, same traits, traits uh, but we are definitely different. And, and you're right. They are not our friend. Uh, but, but yeah, I, to, to make your point on that, you've been shot three times. You served your country. Uh, you've had your back turned on you by your agency. You've been through hell and back, and for you to stand before us today and, and want to make the difference, um, you know, you do represent a lot of what the flag represents in that book. So I appreciate that, um, man. Yep. I, it's it's been man. This has been a good a good ride. The introduction between us three. Uh, I'm looking forward to what what uh you know what the future holds for you. So I hope so. I hope it's a, it's a good one where I can have an impact and maybe maybe politics is a way. I mean, I don't know where else to be able to. I've been asking my wife questions of why why do you do this, but it's it's the public service. It's yeah. the I have the this need to want to give, and this is the spot. I said you got to put me in a place where I can make a difference. Now in there, give, give put me in coach right. Put me yeah. in the put arena. In the man in the arena, yeah. right? Information that folks need to hear. This is a story that is freaking crazy. People think things don't go on like this outside of our country, and. Uh, it's folks like this that continue to serve, uh, get shot, and still looking for a way to serve serve our country. Yep, yep. You got a rapid fire. All right, man. We're gonna ask you three questions. Oh yeah, absolutely. Best, excuse me, your favorite movie or line from a movie? Your favorite movie? Cop movie. Cop movie. Ooh, and I have some good cop movies. Um, I like Man on Fire. That's a, well, I don't that's know if that's a, a cop good. movie, but that's, a, that's more of a movie. Should be. Yeah, um, it should be, yeah. Um, Training Day, I, like, I love Training Day. Training Day is a good one, too. That's a good one. Um, Denzel. Denzel's always good. Um, what, what was the other one? Uh, the second one is going to be your favorite 
police vehicle. Not my, not my two. What would I have? My two thousand one Chevy Venture van. That's not. That was. That's not it. The suburban uh, that saved your life. The, the yeah. suburban, I think. Yeah. Two thousand nine suburban. That'd be a good one to pick. That, that's an easy pick. And, up. and or, or the ninety seven Crown Vic that I had, my first issued vehicle, ninety seven Crown Vic. What was it? Say that again for the people in the back. Oh, Crown Victoria, ninety-seven Crown Vic. We can we can police stop. interceptor. Yeah, okay, uh, good. it's very hard to do surveillance. Yeah, yeah, even if it's unmarked. Yeah, I like that answer. Good, <laughs> good job, Victor. We can end with that one. That's good. And then your favorite adult he beverage. Loves the Crown Vic. Uh, adult beverage, uh, Scotch and water. There you and go. Unless it's a uh, McAllen, uh, just on a one block of ice. That's way I like. That's it. awesome. Yeah, just That's on awesome. a big rock. Yes, brother. Again, I can't thank you enough, man. Thank you. It's uh, it's been an honor. It's been an honor. Well, this uh, this this is a pretty pretty intense story, pretty uh, pretty badass episode. I, I can't thank you enough. You guys hit that subscribe button, download these episodes, catch this book, check out his website, Victor Avila for Congress. You guys stay safe. God bless you, and as always, may God bless Texas. We're out. We're out.